Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Exodus chapter 35, if you want to turn there with me. We live today in one of the greatest periods of human history. Many of you are young and uh, you're just beginning uh, ministry, but I want to say to you that the day in which we live is one of the greatest opportunities for the preaching of the gospel in world history. We have a, a specific time frame. God is wonderfully moving, and uh, there's more money in the hands of common people than there have ever been in the history of the world. There are greater opportunities. Uh, you can uh, send a worker around the world, talk to them on a cell phone. They can call you and ask for money immediately. <laughs> we have transport in 24 hours. You can fly to almost any place on planet Earth. And this is a great, great opportunity, a time of opportunity. That has not always been so, and don't take that for granted. So here in the text that we're going to read is uh, God is going to build the tabernacle. He is giving giftings to people to accomplish that. There's a great lesson that we have here in that because God enables what he calls us to do. He enables us to do that. Can you, can you say amen? So uh, we want to uh, talk about that for a moment. There are opportunities someone has written in life where all the dynamics for doing a work for God are present. The person who sees that and will begin to act upon that will see God powerfully move in their behalf to accomplish that by his power. Napoleon Bonaparte made a statement. He was a great general of history, a military genius. And he said there's a 10-minute time frame in every battle where the commander who recognizes that unique opportunity and will commit all his forces to the battle will win the victory regardless of what the opposition is or the dynamics on the ground are. So Exodus 35 Having said that, we want to talk about this period in, uh, in history where God is using human beings but to make full potential that they have to seize the moment. Exodus 35, verse 29, the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring out for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. 
And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he's filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. To design beautifully wrought works to work in gold and in silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones to see them and in the carving of wood to make any manner of skillful work. And he's put forth in, has put in his heart that he may teach both he and Oholiab, the son of Ahazamach of the tribe of Dan. Them has he filled with wisdom of heart. To work all manner of work of the engraver and of the skillful workman and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and in fine linen and in the uh, and, and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that design beautifully wrought work. So here we're seeing a moment in history when God's dwelling place on earth is going to be constructed. We're seeing a design of a beautiful work and uh, not just uh, throwing together, but uh, in that work is going to be beautiful. It's going to be skillfully made. He's going to not only call these people to do it, but to teach others to do it. And to accomplish that, uh, he's going to equip them for that. There's a parallel here of you and I. We've been called by God. It's been mentioned by other speakers here uh, this week. And as we've been called by God, we are accomplishing a dwelling place for God in precious souls. That's no accident, nor is it haphazard, but God has equipped us to. That's what our conferences are all about. This is what discipleship is all about. Discipleship isn't just a religious work where people come together, act religious, but discipleship uh, is a work of God in human personality uh, to accomplish uh, a dwelling place uh, for God. So having said that, you and I need to seize the moment. As I said before, I've lived a long time and I see dynamics that are crucial, uh, dynamics that happen. I know that many of you are listening to BBC and Channel 7 and you're upset that Donald Trump got elected. But let me tell you, there's a hand of God. He saved America from Hillary Clinton. One of the great events of my lifetime. If you wonder how that all came to pass, read Daniel 4. Because the events of heaven were being wrestled out. I announced to my congregation, I always get our congregation to vote. And I said, you need to vote. Pray. I was, for the last two years, I was urging people, register. You need to get ready to vote. And I said to them, if Donald Trump gets elected, it's one of the great miracles of all time. Because the media and power structures were preventing that. But there was a spiritual dominion that was taking place there. And so that did happen, and we're rejoicing in that in America. I was on my way to Israel uh, last year, and uh, I'd voted absentee ballot before I left. 
And uh, we were out about four hours out from Tel Aviv, and somebody said to one of the stewards, call the pilot, uh, the pilots and ask them to call to America and see how the election's coming. So the uh, steward did, came back out and went like this, and a cheer went up in our group on there. Some people were very, very happy. I was very happy. And some people who were on that plane were very, very mad. <laughs> so let's think about seizing the moment because uh, unless you've heard uh, Paul Stevens' uh, sermon from the, uh, uh, from the uh, January conference on, uh, 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 on the election, he brought that in and, and climate change. He spelled out, it was a prophetic sermon. I asked him to preach that. He did it for the leadership. I asked him to preach that for the conference itself. If you haven't heard that, you need to get it and listen to it because it is a prophetic sermon and it's being fulfilled uh, right now. So let's think for a moment uh, as we read this text here about the lost potential that we have. I think I mentioned last night that uh, churches are filled with good people doing nothing. Lots of them too, I might say. Revelation 3, 2 says, Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect uh, before God. Now there's a lot of reasons for this. Sometimes people become discouraged, they become weary. Uh, I have no doubt there are people here, you've come into your church for redirection, distractions or disappointments come uh, but there are many reasons for this uh, but we need to focus this morning on God's gifting because that's what is being spoken here God gifts uh, for that which he wants to accomplish uh, and uh, there's a popular terminology that's used in Christian work and that is discover and release uh, your gifting every person sitting in this building today you have a calling from God there's a blueprint that God has for your life. Uh, he wants to fulfill that. It depends on your willingness and your surrender to that uh, because your job is to discover and release that gifting. And having said that, we need to think about the, uh, uh, the dimension of IQ or intelligent quotient. When we were created, those who work with human beings said we were created uh, with a IQ potential of 2,000. Albert Einstein is a genius. Albert Einstein has an IQ uh, 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 that he operates at of 140. Most of you are functioning about 90, I think. <laughs> Don't be insulted at that. At least you're able to come in here and go out. <laughs> Albert Einstein, in conversation, he said, everyone is a genius. But if you judge fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing it's stupid. That's a quote by Albert Einstein. And the difficulty of human personality is many people are deceived by the devil and they never fulfill the calling or the potential that God gives. King Saul is a great example in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And, uh, uh, and uh, 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 verse, verse uh, uh, 22, 21 and 2 says, When Saul had uh, caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul 
the son of Kish was taken, but when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if a man should yet come there. And the Lord answered, Behold, he's hidden himself uh, among the baggage. So there's a lesson to be learned here. Many times uh, people, when God's calling them, and I have no doubt there's people sitting in my audience this morning, uh, God's calling you and you're hiding in the baggage. So open your heart this week because God's going to do business uh, and disciples are made in the going. You have to understand that. Here's David. He's a shepherd boy. He goes down to check on his brothers that are with King, Jaw, uh, King uh, Saul. Nobody's fighting because Goliath is out uh, haunting them, uh, insulting them, said, send me a man out. If I whip him, we'll be your servants forever. He's lying through his teeth. Uh, would make any difference what happens. The devil's always busy. So when David saw that, he said, uh, Who, who's going to go out and fight him? They said, shut up. You don't know anything about war. <laughs> and so they're all sharpening their swords and practicing their throw. But nobody's going out to fight. Uh, and David went out, uh, responded to the issue. Uh, and as he responded to that issue... Uh, he responded to the challenge of the moment, uh, and when he did that, he stepped into destiny. So the disciples are made in the going. Look at that, uh, if you will, be, because if you look at that, you need to uh, understand the danger of false religion. Christianity today generally are people that talk religiously but do nothing. So let's think about this because there are many, many people... And uh, Saul is a lesson. In the early days, he prophesied. When he's first called, uh, the Bible says he prophesied. The Spirit of God came on him, and they, they said, Is Saul also among the uh, prophets? Uh, but by the time that uh, time went by, he'd ceased being involved in the work of God. Uh, and he's so backslidden that he goes to the witch of Ender uh, to get some direction. Uh, and so it's issue that you need to understand that disciples are made in the going. So if you've never heard that or listened to that tape on climate change, it'll change your thinking if you begin to listen to that sermon by Paul Stevens and act upon it. So let's come to the text for a moment because what we're talking about this morning is a strategic time frame. This is easily observed everywhere since Donald Trump has been elected. The world has changed. If you don't know that, well, then you're blind as the bat. They said to, uh, to America, uh, we're gonna, as soon as he gets elected, the stock market's going to plunge. We're going to have an economic disaster. Instead, uh, it's uh, not quite double, but almost double since he came in. And uh, while... They're trying to destroy him out here with all kinds of their stuff. He's back here reversing Obama's agenda, and he's just tearing the place up. <laughs> That's paying off dividends. Uh, you know, he said, uh, he said uh, in his election, I'm going to put the Jewish uh, embassy from Tel Aviv up into uh, Jerusalem. And the world went wild. But there's a long history there. It's Jimmy Carter had that passed when he was there that they voted, uh, I think only two dissenting votes that they're going to move that uh, up. But no president has had the, the chest to, to do that. 
Every single one of them said, yeah, we're going to do that. But they didn't do it. But Donald Trump said, I'm going to do it. And you can believe whatever he says he's going to do, for good or for bad. You can, e you can, either, uh, you can either rejoice or groan. He said we're going to do it May 14th is what he's announced the date. That's the uh, 70th anniversary of the restoration of, uh, of uh, the Jew as a nation. And uh, he's going to do that. That he's not announced that. And it, uh, as he did that, all the little ragheads in in the world, you know, ah, 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 they begin to scream as they do it. But you can believe he's going to do that. And so, as he did that, and they saw he's going to do it. Now other nations are stepping up the plate. Well, we're going to do that too. Isn't that interesting? That here for many years, since Jimmy Carter's uh, reign, no one has stepped to the plate to do that, but he's doing it. It's changing the world. There are certain events that happen that are nation-changing. In America, it was the Boston Tea Party. Uh, all, the, uh, all the people with English descent always get upset when I talk about this. We used to have a man who was English, was uh, Ian Wilson. And so he was always telling me, America's a rebel nation. They're, they broke from England. They ruined their destiny. I just laughed at him. <laughs> I said, well, I noticed that you come to America to preach in, so it can't be all bad. So revolutions are sparked both nationally and spiritually. We had uh, the Arab Spring. You may remember the Arab Spring see your hand. These people here, I don't know what's happened to a prayer. You never want to lift your hand at anything I say. <laughs> the Arab Spring was the time when uh, revolutions took place uh, in the Arab world. There was a vegetable seller in Tunisia and they began to make restrictions and laws that you had to have a permit to sell vegetable. He was just a poor guy trying to survive and so he uh, didn't get one or couldn't afford one. And so uh, he became so enraged at this, uh, he set himself on fire and killed himself. Uh, that stirred the Arab Spring in Tunisia. And from that, that began to spark in nations in the Middle East, uh, changed uh, the nations in the Middle East. Many of them changed governments, uh, changed their that. But revolutions are sparked both spiritually uh, and uh, nationally. How many of you ever heard of Woodstock? Woodstock was a rock concert in New York. <laughs> I'm gaining, you see how I'm gaining? I'm getting dominion here. And that was a, uh, that was a sparking of what's known as the Jesus People Movement. Many of you are direct results of that. And this is in Woodstock, New York, and that swept the world in music. We capitalized on that. Did we would advertise rock concerts? They weren't rock concerts; it just crummy musicians <laughs> playing. But uh, it didn't matter that the, that impetus was there. That 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 uh, statement would call people say, "Rock, rock concert going to be." And young people would pour out to that and listen to horrible music, and we preach the gospel and got them saved. <laughs> So biblically, this is true. I'm talking about a strategic time frame. You and I live in one of the unique time frames of the world. Pay attention to that. This is biblically true because God 
has put it into the hearts of many people. In this text, the key is going to be accomplished because God had put it in the hearts of people. Let me tell you that we're in a wonderful time of reaping. That wonderful time of reaping is taking place. A switch was turned when Donald Trump was elected. And we're seeing a glorious event as we're reaping people for the kingdom of God. Exodus chapter 35, 21 and 22. And they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whose spirit made him willing. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing, hearted. So here we're seeing God's work going to be accomplished because greater than any dynamics that we're organizing, there's this spiritual dimension and that's God at work. That's what's happening today. Most people who are being touched by this must maintain the momentum. So we gain advantage when we move in the age of the moment. So thank you, thank you for this for a moment. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 spells it out. Behave yourselves wisely, living prudently with discretion. In your relations with those of the outside world, that's the non-Christians, making the very most of the time and seizing or buying up the opportunity. 1989, the Iron Curtain uh, crashed. How many of you know what the Iron Curtain is? Anybody here? Few Australians have begun to read books, so it's, that's encouraging. <laughs> when uh, we started working in Australia in 1978, nobody read. We had to uh, start our discipleship. You need to read books. And so they started reading then. And so uh, the Iron Curtain fell, and uh, several of these nations were open. I remember I went to Russia and preached right about that time, and we took a music group in uh, out of Holland. Uh, the Van Dermans went in there. We went in and preached in Russia. Uh, people were standing at the end of the, of the subways, selling a piece of clothing, selling a wrench, trying to get their hands on some capital. And uh, they were very responsive. In Romania, at that period of time, you could hand out, hand out tracks on the street. 200 people would gather immediately. They wanted that. It was a wonderful time of opportunity. People are still getting saved there, but not to the same degree that it was then. I was preaching in uh, in. Uh, Argentina some years ago we had some works in Argentina we did a crusade and as we did a crusade I was in a gymnasium 1400 people came into that gymnasium it was a wonderful wonderful time because it had just opened to us and we were just in a fresh uh, fresh uh, move and uh, miracles were happening of every kind I remember a, a, a deaf mute boy and uh, we were just praying uh, mass prayer then. And this boy got healed. He'd been deaf mute all of his life. His name was Reuben. And so we tried to work with him that night. Didn't get a complete uh, manifestation. The next night he came back. His dad was working with him then. Uh, overnight we put him up for a testimony. And as he stood there on the microphone. He said, Reuben. That's the first time in uh, his life many of these people had ever heard him. Gloriously and wonderfully healed. I went back to Argentina six months later. When I went back the second time, 
the climate had changed. They had changed the currency to a U.S. dollar amount. Before that, you could go in for three U.S. dollars. You could get a filet mignon that thick and this wide, and it was a wonderful time. When I went back, he had to pay 13 bucks for one. Well, that changed the climate of that nation. I went back in regards to what you do. You can get more than 50 people in a building. So what I'm saying is that, that these things must be acted on, and Jesus uh, puts these in history. In John's four, Gospel, chapter 4, verse 35, Say not to you, there are yet four months, and then comes harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. John 4, verse uh, uh, 38, picks up that theme and, and repeats it, uh, and uh, says, Now, I sent you to reap that on which you bestowed no labor. Rather, uh, other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam, back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this sermon podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. So let's think for a moment, because I made a statement, and I didn't make that lightly because I happen to be speaking here, and I want to be the bringer of fantastic words you've never heard before. We're living in a time frame that is one of the greatest in human history. There's more money in the hands of the common people than they've ever... How many of you had money in your pocket or in your account this morning? Let me see that. I'm not taking offering. You just relax. (laughs) Stunningly, you take an offering. Uh, In Prescott, Arizona, we do a conference twice a year. Prescott, Arizona isn't exactly the center of the earth. That conference costs us anywhere from a half a million to a million and a half dollars, cold cash when we're finished. 
no millionaires I ever heard of ever comes to our conferences. But for the last two years, we've raised that every conference. Now, you talking about a miracle. I'm talking about people that look just like you. They don't have any more money in their pocket than you have. But God has blessed us with a financial transcendence that we're paying for those conferences as we put them on. That's a miracle. We have uh, uh, capabilities in communications. I said again, we have uh, missionaries all over the world from Prescott, that some of them we've related to other people. But these missionaries are in constant communication. Wired out the first of every month from our treasure is $135,000 every month. She's able to go into the bank. They push a button. It goes there. They get it generally the same day. At least they get it the next day. Do you realize what a miracle that is? For us to be able to carry on world evangelism and business at a rapid rate. I jumped on a plane, came over here, got on uh, Tuesday night. Fortunately, all the planes flew on time. I got in Sydney and ate something Wednesday night, which is actually uh, Australian time, which is much earlier, much later, depending on which direction you're going. Preached in Sydney for Rob Race, had a great area-wide rally. Jumped on a plane the next morning, got over here. You talk about a miracle, folks. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because this means that the gospel is adapted to that time frame. We have a Google, I think it was, uh, it was uh, John Perry. He showed me on his uh, toy. <laughs> and he had about eight or ten uh Commentaries. I'm not talking about translate. I'm talking about commentaries. He can push a button and see what the commentary is. And there they are on his toy. You understand what a tremendous blessing that is? We were able to do research, go in and see what people had to say last year, a hundred years ago, and put it in perspective. That is a glorious blessing. And those tools are in our hand for Bible translation and ministry. We have conferences. Do you understand what a tremendous miracle they look? Look to the person beside you. Look, look at them. This place is filled with both men and women. Do you know what a miracle that is? I, I attended conferences for many, many years where it was a a women's event. Not deliberately, but that's all the ones that came. There were a few wimpy men that came, but that's it. <laughs> but we've tapped into a stream where we uh, challenge men, and men will step into a challenge. Men want to be challenged. How many of you know that? They want to be challenged. And if you're afraid to challenge them, well, you need to step up to the plate. So our conferences, when I look out at our conference, I say, thank God, there's some real men out there. I think they are, anyway. <laughs> That's a miracle of God. So this is why I'm saying that we live in a tremendous time frame. And what we're having is the fire of God's revival is being tapped 
And we're taking advantage of this, uh, but it must be fueled. That's why we have conferences. Our conferences aren't just a place where we want to get together and have people speak, but we're challenging and fueling this flame of revival. Second Timothy 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, For this reason I put you in remembrance, that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Now, that is a crucial uh, passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul is reaching into life uh, in his generation. How many of you have ever had uh, a fireplace or a wood stove that you cooked on? There's a few of us still alive, amen. So what he's talking about is when you build a fire, whether it's a fireplace or a wood stove, a cook stove, uh, they cooked on the wood stove in my generation. Uh, it means that if you just leave that alone, the fire will die down, will not cook, uh, or sometimes even go out. So they had what's known as a poker. This is a rod of steel. You reach in, you shift the logs around so that oxygen can get to those and the fire will be rekindled again. So the Apostle Paul, when he says, stir up the gift that's in you, he's writing to Timothy, he says, I know that the Spirit of God rests on you and that the gift of calling rests on you. I'm challenging you to stir it up. It's there. So you need to stir it up so it'll be active. And he's saying this to Timothy. So our fellowship this morning is born in a certain time frame, and we're very fortunate to live in the time frame that we live in. I remember in the early days, uh, we used to show the big three. Is anybody still here that remember the big three? Okay, we still got some folks here. So the guy was pastoring in Alice Springs, and he was late ascending for uh, the big three. So, But the time's run out now. The mail has run no time, no big three, but he's advertised that this is a prophecy film. So he went down to the local video store and he rented Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Twelve people got saved. <laughs> I mean, you're talking miracle. God is at work. When you can get 12 people saved showing Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's something besides your talent. Can you say amen? So we're in this wonderful time frame, folks. I'm just giving you de details of this. And so uh, this adds to our, our agenda here. And so this must be prioritized. I know that there are people here, you made a sacrifice, many of you, to come here. Used to finances that could have been used another place. You could be off uh, doing your own agenda. But this has to be prioritized. If you have not prioritized what God's called you to do, you need to shake yourself this morning because this is the day that God has prepared that we're going to wrap this up. This is what Paul says. We wrap this up in our generation. Many people lose their momentum. If you lose your momentum, you'll probably never get it back. In the book of Acts, chapter 24, 30, uh, 24 and 25, and after certain days, uh, this is Paul preaching. He's a prisoner. But uh, the, the big dude comes to hear him. Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish. He sent for Paul and he heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix trembled 
and answered, Go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I call for you again. We never hear of him ever hearing the gospel again or that he made any decision. He was convicted. He was feeling the impulse of God. He was hearing God's man preach. And something was happening in his inner regions. He was convicted so much that he was trembling. But he never acted upon that. So here's a lesson. He never had, as far as we can read, another opportunity for that. There are cliches. And one of these cliches is you must strike while the iron is hot. There's another cliche says the road to hell is paved with good in, uh, good intentions. So here is a solid Bible admonition and a history. And I want to bring you to grips with this this morning if I get no other chance. Because in the text that we read, there is a word and that word is do. It's used in the text that we uh, that we uh, that we read, uh, Exodus thirty six and verse two. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. Now lock your mind in for a moment to the issue of the hour. Here. In our text, we're talking about God beginning to build a dwelling place, which is a tabernacle for that period of time, and to dwell with man in the tabernacle in the Shekinah glory. And as he's doing that, he's giving directions about how this is to be built. He's going to enable them to do it, but they must act on that. Moses selects the will of God, Aholiab, and Bezalel, and they did that work and then trained others to do it. This is what discipleship is all about. That's what we're here in this building about. And so Paul writes in the book of Hebrews, and he's urgent. How many of you know that what God is doing is urgently? Some of you have plans as you go out of here. That doesn't mean that you stop... Uh, what you're doing is, uh, I think it's Martin Luther was always preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And somebody caught him out one day. He's planting a tree. And they said, uh, Martin, why are you planting that tree? You're always preaching about Jesus going to come. And it's all going to be over. And he says, I do believe Jesus is coming, but I'm still going to plant this tree. Good thing he did because uh, Jesus isn't yet. Can you say Amen. So ponder this for a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, the apostle Paul writing in, in Hebrews says, For this reason, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So let me come back to my statement. Churches are filled with good people doing nothing. That should never take place. There's something that every human being can do. If you can't go, at least you can pray, or you can give, or you can encourage others. Can you say amen? amen. But vast numbers of people uh, God deals with, uh, and as he deals with them, they need to act upon that, uh, because these time frames are not always uh, relevant uh, to us. Paul notes this in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Verse uh, 4 and 5, you've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. 
and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto son. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked by him. So I'm challenging you this morning to expand your horizon. I was preaching, um, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, I was preaching about something similar to this, that everyone can do something. And there was a young couple came to me, I may have told you this earlier in the week, and as they came to me about a week or two later, they said, Pastor, we heard your sermon, and we determined we're going to do something. They were doing nothing in the church but coming to church. He said, we started a ministry of visiting elderly people. We have done that regularly. We uh, we find older people who are in our congregation. Some of them are are, uh, are not able to always come to church. We will make sure they have a ride. We started a ministry and we're enlisting other uh, to people to join with us where they uh, take some of these uh, grocery shopping or just go in and sit and talk with them. You know, there's many people, they'd love to just talk to a person that has a right mind. Some of them may be sitting here. People go to churches, I don't know if you know that or not, looking for somebody that's friendly. People go to churches to find somebody that will accept their personality and sometimes listen. Sometimes when you visit old folks, that's hell the same story ten times while you're there, but you give great dignity if you listen to it. Are you still listening to me? So what does that accomplish? What does that accomplish? Well, what that accomplishes is uh, we are social creatures uh, and you need to expand uh, your horizons. Uh, I'm triggering thoughts of people that are here. One poet said the saddest saddest words of tongue or pen are these the words it might have been. There are people sitting in this audience today that God has dealt with you in time past to, to do something. Remember, this uh, this scripture says do. And so God has dealt with you, but you didn't act upon that. I'm challenging you uh, to expand your horizons uh, this morning. I'm telling you this morning that there's something that you can do. Let's define ministry for a moment. Many people think that ministry is your preaching or ministry is your evangelist or ministry you have a music group. But there's many, many things you can do besides those. Colossians says in chapter 4, verse 17, And say to our Chippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you fulfill it. I have no doubt there are people sitting here. How many of you ever heard the word sabbatical? Sadly, congregations are filled with people that have bied into that lie. Well, you're really busy. You've been neglecting your family. You've been, you're tired. Most of the work in the world are done people who are tired most of the time. Did you know that? Most of the work in the the world is done by people who are tired most of the time. A lot of these are preachers. But that doesn't mean that you can take a sabbatical. And I know many people who've said, I, Pastor, I want to drop out of my ministry. I just want to take a sabbatical, never see him again. There's something about activity that keeps your heart pumping. God has given us, listen carefully, God has given us a space 
of opportunity. We may not always have that, and that could disappear, disappear quickly. I've seen it disappear in Russia. I saw it disappear in, uh, in Romania. I saw it disappear in Argentina. And I saw it disappear to some degree in America in the Jesus movement. But now God is moving. And he challenges us to be there. In that, that space of opportunity, uh, we have freedom to evangelize. What a glorious privilege we have to sit in this building, free to preach whatever we want to preach. Can you say amen? And to challenge people, make them mad, make them upset, make them guilty or whatever. Get their money out of their pocket into the kingdom of God. And, uh, and God, we have that because we have the freedom in Australia. We have that freedom in America. We may not always count on that, but we have it today. And I'm challenging you. This is the greatest time of opportunity in the history of the world. Is God at work? He's at work now building the church just like he was building the tabernacle. And he's equipping for that for those who will act. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. And I want to give you a challenge. We're only on the second day of this conference and uh, the Spirit of God uh, has been talking to people about eternity. Some of you pastors are there. You've got men or women in your uh, congregation, the couples, that they want to plant a church. They're talking to you about planting a church. They may be one of your heavy givers. They may be people who are some of your best musicians. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. The key to discipleship and church planting is you plant the best people that you have in your congregation. That's what the, that's the dynamic. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging people who God's dealing with to respond to become a minister, a preacher of the gospel. Go to your pastor. Tell him, Pastor, uh, when Pastor Mitchell preached, I surrendered in my heart. I want to. Be a preacher of the gospel. Tell them that. Go on record. God will hear that and he will help that come to pass in his good time frame. So let's stand together, shall we? These altars are open. I'm asking you to respond and tell God what you're willing to do because he will not violate your will. He's waiting for you to say to him, Lord, this is what I'm willing to do. The musicians sing, you come, find a place to pray. Make it a vocal surrender. Don't just kneel down like a Catholic, flip back up. Spend some time talking to God about eternity. Miles. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.